Good morning, Parkway Church. How are you guys doing today? Good. Did you have a good weekend? Are you having a good weekend? I had a great weekend. Three guesses who got to watch their daughter run a track meet yesterday. So awesome to see my baby run and to see her succeed in that. So excited about future days. And yes, I will be wearing sunscreen in the Saturdays to come. My name is Mike. I'm the senior pastor here. And I'm not embarrassed of God's word. I'm not ashamed of teaching God's word. I am one pale man who got eight hours of sun yesterday. And I'm glad wherever you're gathered, that we together are going to open our Bible and continue our journey through Scripture together. We're in a series entitled This Not That, where we've been looking at the extreme choices that Paul gives us to make through the book of Romans. And as we've made extreme choices, Paul's really helped us build this way of thinking, this way of believing, this way of living, so that we live not as a victim, but instead we live as a victor in Jesus Christ. And that's what we get to talk about today. I feel like today's talk is good news on top of good news, because we're going to talk about the victory we have in Christ. Before we jump there, though, I do want to take a moment and pray for the revival services that are coming. March 24th through 26th, can you imagine like you get off work and you roll in and there's an atrium full of people that are ha- having dinner together and families and enjoying life and there's this expectancy of what God might do. And then the doors open and the worship team begins. These men and women that are gifted by God and passionate about what they do lead us in a time of worship and we've got time of prayer built in and time of personal connection with God. And then we get taught by somebody that's not Mike. His name is Denny, and you guys are going to love Denny Henderson. And we're challenged to take our next step. We're encouraged to keep growing in our walk with Christ. We're confronted maybe in some areas where we need to deal with some stuff. The kind of teaching that if you need a spark in your relationship with God, the kind of teaching that if you have a desire to go deeper, the kind of connection that when you hear the word revival, that's what you think of. See, this is what I hope we experience. We come together and we share a meal. We come together and we worship God and pray. We come together and we open his word. And I'm hoping and praying that it's the kind of experience on Sunday night where you look and you say, man, I can't wait to do that again. Because the good news is we're going to do it on Sunday night, Monday night, and Tuesday night of that week. Because we want an extended period of time where we collectively as a church, all campuses, come together and connect in relationships declare our love for Jesus, and learn how to fall more in love with him in this place and in this time and this season with each other. So that's what revival, when you hear me say revival, it includes food, it includes some music, and it includes, most importantly, the Spirit of God moving freely in our lives and in our church. So that's what we're praying for. So let's pause right now and we'll pray, and then we'll jump into today's talk. Father, we thank you for the chance to Look forward to a time of refreshing and renewal and recommitment to you. And Lord, I pray that as we seek revival, that you provide it. That by the power of your Holy Spirit, you draw men and women to yourself. By the power of your Holy Spirit, you convict sinners of their sin and believers of their call. 
Lord, I pray that you help us to take our next step and to follow you because we focused our time and our energy and our attention on you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So there are days when it's hard to know whether or not I'm doing a good job as a pastor. Then there are other days when it is crystal clear that I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. My job is a little different than yours. If you go and you make plastic at one of the plants and you meet your quota for the day and your team goes home healthy and you go home healthy and you did it on budget, you can look and say, I completed my job on this day. Or maybe if you teach a student and you teach them a series of lessons and they take a test and all the students do well on the test, you look and say, I've completed my role here for this season and this segment of these students' lives. Maybe you are a, like a mason and you go and you build a wall and it's square and true at the end of the day and you go home and you're pleased with yourself because it's square and true at the end of the day. Well, as a pastor, it's a little different because there's always a seat that can be filled. There's always somebody that could be served. There's always somebody that could be called and loved on. There's always a prayer that could be prayed. And so sometimes you just wonder, am I doing a good job? Well, the other day I was working in my office and I was typing on my little computer. And as I was typing, I noticed that there was something wrong with my keyboard. And so I was typing and I was saying, you know, we need to believe in Jesus. But it didn't say Jesus on the screen, it said Jesus. We need to follow Jesus. We need to obey Jesus. We need to depend upon Jesus. And I was like, what's going on? You know what I did? I broke my J key. I overused the J key on my computer. It wasn't an old computer. It's only about four years old. But apparently, compared to other people who use the exact same keyboard, I use the J key more than anybody else. And so I was so excited. I was like, I'm doing my job. I'm wearing out the J key, talking to people about Jesus. Inviting believers to follow and depend upon Jesus. I love it. And as we've walked through the book of Romans together, that's been exactly what we've been doing, is learning how to believe the right things about Jesus, learning how to follow Jesus, learning how to depend on him. In fact, I couldn't have taught this series without the J key, because it all depends on Jesus. From the very beginning in this series, we said that we're going to be the people that choose to build our lives not on the law, but on faith. If we have a choice between this faith and that law, we're going to choose this because it's our faith in Christ that makes us right and nothing else can make us right in God's sight. We said with that foundation, with that beginning point, we look and we say, we're going to build our lives not on the dead rules of religion, but instead we're going to build our lives on a relationship with God. We're going to reject that, the dead rules of religion, and we're going to choose this, a relationship with the living God. There was a moment in that sermon when I did something like this. I said, if you could have a relationship with the living God, why would you settle for the rules of dead religion? And there are moments like that when that happens, and I'm like, oh, that was good. Because <laughs> it's true. And then last week, we looked and said, simple grid for living. 
Are you building your life as the new you? Or are you simply recycling the old? When it comes to your struggle with sin, are you putting sin in the trash can? Or are you putting sin in the recycling bin? Because what we learned together last week from Romans chapter 7 is that we are, by nature, people that have been freed from our sin, forgiven of our sin. We are people that have been given a new life, not only a forever life with Christ, but a new life in Christ if we're believers. That's true of every believer, but it's also true that every believer struggles. And so you've got to make the choice. Am I going to build based on the new or based on the old? And then today we get to Romans chapter 8. And Romans chapter 8 is the victory chapter in the Bible. And so the extreme choice that Paul's going to give us today is the choice between being a victor or a victim. A choice through experiencing and having and holding on to and never letting go of victory or picking up a mindset of victimhood. And you see how it builds. Like if you build your relationship with God by faith and you're living not according to the rules of religion, but you're living in relationship with him and you're you're trying to, to live the new you instead of being the old you. And you're walking in new and fresh ways with God. What will you experience? You will experience victory, which makes you a victor. Faith in Christ, living in relationship with Jesus, living new ways to the glory and honor of God will always result in victory for the believer in Jesus Christ. And you're going to be convinced of that by the time we leave today. And the opposite is true. If you build your life on the law, and you're just trying to keep God happy by obeying the rules, the only thing you can do is reinvent and relive who you already were, your old self. And if that's you, this law-based, rules-based, old you, only working on the outsides, never on the insides kind of religion, then you will be a victim. You will not experience the victory that Christ has for you. So friends, today, I want you to choose, I want you to choose this. I am a victor in Christ and reject that. I am a victim in the world. Where are we going to learn this together? We're going to learn it from Romans chapter 8. So if you brought your Bible, go ahead and open up with me. No Bible, no worries. We gave you an outline on your way in. You can also follow along using the Parkway app. Parkway Port Lavaca, Parkway Lone Tree, Parkway Online. We sure are glad that you're here and invite you to tap in to that app with us as well from your location. Romans 8, 1 and 2. Here's what the Bible says. In response to Romans 7 and the truth of our struggle and the reality that Christ has freed us, Paul writes this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So there's last week's talk all in a couple of verses. You have been set free from sin as a believer in Jesus Christ. Sin is no longer your master because Jesus is your Lord. You are free. You're no longer dead in sin. Christ has given you a life forever with him in heaven and a new life to live with him and for him here on earth. This is true of all believers. And because this is true of every believer in Christ, so too is this. Romans 8.1, There is now therefore no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul begins this look at the victory that we have in Christ by telling us that no one can condemn us. In our sin, do we deserve to be condemned? Yeah. But we've been forgiven by Christ, we've been set free by Christ, and we've been made completely new by Christ. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When you begin to realize the power of grace in your life, and you know that there's no condemnation because you're God's kid through Jesus Christ, when that guilt and shame that the enemy brings back comes up, say, I reject that because there is no condemnation for me. I'm in Christ. I'm not going to listen to the lies of the enemy. When that person comes up and is critical and makes you wonder whether or not you even are a Christian, I reject that because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Friends, God has completely saved you. God has completely changed you. And there's coming a day when God will complete his work in and through you. There's no condemnation. A lot of us know John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But if you keep reading John 3, 17, I love this part. For Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. So if Jesus came to save you once, he's also the protector of your soul and your life. He's the protector of your mind and your heart. And Paul says, if you're in Christ, there is no condemnation for you. You have victory. Romans 8, verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because his spirit, because of his spirit who lives in you. The moment that you believed in Jesus for life, you said, I'm a sinner who needs a savior. Jesus, you are the savior of the world. The moment that you believe, God put his Holy Spirit in you. And Paul says, because you have the Holy Spirit, you have victory in me. Because you have the Spirit of God living in you, you are a victor, not a victim. And he draws this beautiful picture, and it is so true. He says, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you and bringing life to your mortal bodies. That same Spirit who breathed life into Jesus. Jesus was crucified on the cross buried for three days, and on the third day was raised again. That same spirit that raised a dead man to life is living in you as a believer in Jesus Christ. That's why sin is no longer your master. That's why sin is no longer your only choice. Because you have victory, the Holy Spirit, living inside of you as a believer in Jesus. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is working to raise your life up to match the life of Jesus. You have victory inside of you because the Holy Spirit lives in you. So that next time that you're tempted to think, I got no choice but to respond. I've got no choice but to do. I've got no choice but to feel hopeless. I've got no choice but to feel like I can't keep going. Can I remind you that the very same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living and working in you. 
And as, as a believer, if you claim to be a Christian, you have already said by your faith that you believe that Jesus died, was buried, and was raised again. You have said it by your faith. And in that moment, you were justified. You were forever made right with God. Nothing can, nothing can take that away. You have said it with your faith. Now will you say it with your life? You have trusted God eternally by saying, the Spirit raised your son from the dead. Now will you trust him moment by moment, day by day, and let that very same Spirit bring your life back to full life in Christ, full obedience to Jesus, full victory that we experience. That process, and it is a process, it's called sanctification where God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, comes in and cleans us up and redirects our steps and teaches us how to live according to, to the word instead of according to the broken patterns of the world. Would you allow God, that very same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, would you trust him enough as a follower of Christ to say, you've got the power to work in me like you worked in Jesus. You've got the room I invite you to show me the victory that is mine. As we think about choosing whether we live as a victor or, or a victim, there are a few questions that come to mind. And the first one is this. If I'm a victor, does that mean I will never, ever have any problems? Some people wrongly teach that if you have victory in Jesus Christ, you will never face defeat here on earth. Some people wrongly teach that if you have victory in Jesus Christ, you will never have difficulty in any of your days. But the Bible doesn't support that. Not for a moment. Listen to how Paul writes in Romans 8, verse 18. The Bible says, I consider our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Paul says that, yes, we will experience difficulty and trouble, but that difficulty and trouble isn't the end of the story. What he describes for us is Christian hope. The kind of hope that says, I'm suffering today, but it's not the end of the story. I'm suffering today. I'm struggling today. Uh, it's, today's a tough one. But there's coming a day when all things will be made right. That third theological term I want you to learn today. We've been justified by our faith alone. We are being sanctified by God as we learn to live and follow and obey the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And there's coming a day when we will be glorified, when all the wrongs in the world will be made right. That's the, the heaven we look forward to. That's the life with God that we look forward to. That's the eternal life that we dream of. This time when we are completely right. New bodies, there's no illness, sickness. There's no cancer. We all get a heavenly body. There's no sin anymore. God wipes away even our sin. And we are new again, completely in him. This is the heaven we dream of, and this is coming. No matter the struggles of our day, the certainty of heaven and home with God is ours. This is Christian hope. As you think about living a life of Christian hope, I want to ask the second question. How do I stay hopeful? 
because I want to stay hopeful. If it means that I am going to walk with God and choose to be a victor instead of a victim, and Christian hope says, I might be struggling today, but there's a day when I will never struggle again. I want to stay hopeful. Like victors, they play the long game. They are patient. They are waiting on God. Some of the greatest victories you'll have in your life spiritually are because you decided to wait on God for him to work, for him to move, for him to do his thing. You chose victory by choosing patience. Victory in relationships, choose patience. If you're raising a teenager, I'm going to say this twice for you. Victory in relationships, patience. If you're in a marriage that is difficult today, it's not the end of the story. Don't let it become the end of the story. Patience. See, that's what victors do. Victims play the blame game. Everything is bad. Everything is broken. Everything is against me. Are you going to choose the everything is against me mindset? Or are you going to choose the mindset where I can trust God for the long haul and I will patiently wait for him? That's Christian hope. But the question is, how do I stay hopeful? And so we turn to Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So how do you stay hopeful? You know as you patiently wait on God that God is at work in you. The image that Paul just drew is that there are going to be times when life is so overwhelming, when things are so challenging, where you want to pray, you want to cry out to God, but you don't know what you should pray. You don't know how to cry out to God. And in that moment, some of the most perfect prayers ever are being prayed. Because in that moment, the Spirit of God who knows your heart and the Spirit of God who knows the perfect will of God is praying for you. That is amazing. You see, that's why we don't offer you the dead rules of religion, but instead we offer you a relationship with Christ. Because he is praying for you. He is alive in you. When I don't know what to pray, God prays. Does that mean that I get off the hook forever praying again? Absolutely not. That'd be like saying to Christy, hey, we talked the first 23 years of our marriage. I think that's enough. <laughs> and those of you that have been married 60 years or longer, you're like, yeah, dude, you can't do that till you get the 50th anniversary. <laughs> so just be careful. Be careful. See, God will never leave you. You can have hope. And even in the moments when you don't know what to pray, God is interceding. He's stepping in. He's closing that gap between you and God. And as victors, we know that God is for us. Do you believe that, church? God is for us. 
He is so for you that when you don't know what to pray, your silence communicates something. And his spirit steps in and begins to pray for you perfectly. The one that knows your heart and knows the will of God intercedes on your behalf. He loves you that much. Victors know that God is for them. Victims wonder, is God against me? In those moments when you don't know what to pray because you are completely overwhelmed, never, ever fall prey to the idea that God has left me, that God is no longer for me. Because those moments of silence and struggle are not so that you will feel alone, but instead so that you will know that God is right there with you. And the powerful Spirit of God is interceding and praying on your behalf. This is a relationship with God that we're living. If it was based on the rules of religion, we'd heap guilt on you. Say, you don't know what to pray? You should just pray more. You don't know what to pray? You should just pray more often. You don't know what to pray? You should just give and let us pray for you. Right? See, that's the dead rules of religion. But the relationship we live with God says, I am never alone. And God intercedes on my behalf. And in victory, I know that God is for me. Keep reading Romans chapter 8, 28 through 30. In these next verses, I could preach a whole series, a whole lifetime of messages on. I'm not going to, but I could. Romans 8, 28. For we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been, a called, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed in the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, there's our first theological word, justified. And he also glorified. So God made us right with him forever based on our faith. And God gives us a promise of heaven and a promise of all things being made right. That's glorification. And we know that as believers, that God is working together all things for our good. Why? Because God is for us. Why? Because we are his sons and daughters. Why is God working all things together for our good? So that everything will press us, conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. You want to wonder what God wants your life to look like in the end? He wants you to look like his son Jesus. Like a kid playing with Play-Doh at the dinner table. Molding together different shapes. The God of the universe is using everything and everyone around you to conform you, to press you in to the image of his son. See, that's why as victors, we, we don't see things happen to us. Victors see things happening in us. Victors look and say, this is what God is doing. Victims look and say, look what's happening to me. Victors never see Simple, the outside pressure, the outside struggle. Victors see what God is doing as a result of the pressure, as a result of the struggle, as a result of life. Victims look to blame. Victims look to see everything happening to them to hurt them. The victor says everything works together for the good. The victim says everything works together for the bad. As believers in Jesus Christ, victory is ours. We don't have to settle for the mindset of a victim. 
Last question. How do I live victoriously? Romans 8, 31 says this. What shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If we are going to live victoriously, it means that we are going to choose our perspective. If God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, who can be against me? If God won't condemn me, who can condemn me? If God will never bring guilt and shame, who can bring the guilt and shame? If God is for me, who can be against me? One of the things that helps you stay married is remembering that you're on the same team when times get tough. Remembering that you want the same goal. You want to stay in love. You want to stay healthy. You want to stay as a whole family. When couples realize that 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 is such a key point where you say, we're on the same team, we're not enemies, that is huge. You realize the same is true for your walk with God? You are not his enemy. You are his son or his daughter. You are not his enemy. What shall we say then in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So I'm inviting you, you can fill in this first blank, to choose your perspective. Every day we wake up, I have victory in Jesus Christ. You can fill in that blank. I'm going to choose my perspective. Every day, I'm going to fight the victimhood mentality that our culture pushes out because I have victory in Jesus Christ. In everything that's happening to me, in everyone around me, even the ones that I don't like so much, everyone can be used by God to make me more like Jesus. I'm going to choose my perspective. Second, I'm going to trust that God is at work. Believer in Christ, do you really trust that God works together for the good? All things. For those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Will you wait on him patiently and say, God, I'm trusting that you're working? My struggle doesn't stop your work. My pressure doesn't stop you from continuing to make me more like your son. My difficulty is not a difficulty for you because you're making me more like Jesus. I'm trusting that you're at work. It's so much easier to trust when you've seen how God works. And you look back and you say, oh, now I get it. But remember, we live in relationship with God, so it's possible for us, even as we walk through life, even as we don't know how he's going to answer all the questions or deal with every issue, to trust that he's at work. And then last, know that nothing can separate me or nothing can separate you from God's love. This is that reminder that he lives in you and that your victory is not based on you and who you are and what you've done, but your victory is based on Christ, who he is and what he has done. And nothing can separate you from the love of God. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, 37 through 39. No, in all of these things, We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, and he's about to list off a series of things that could potentially separate us from God. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, 
neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, nothing can separate you from God. And catch this final thought. You are more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. You're not just almost a loser in Jesus. You are more than a conqueror. You're not one who's just getting a participation award because of what you've done in life. You are more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. You are not a victim in Jesus. You are a victor in Jesus. You don't have to look ahead to the days to come and say, I wonder how things will go wrong. You can look ahead and say, I wonder how God will make all things right. See, that's Christian hope. And that's living as a victor instead of a victim. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the chance to open the word together and to be challenged and to learn and grow. God, help us to live as victors. Victory is ours because of Christ and the Spirit of God alive in our lives. Show us, Father, the victory that we have in you. Church, as we pray, you might use this time to commit to live in the victory you have. You might use this time to choose your perspective. If God is for you, who can be against you? You might use this time to say, God, I choose victory instead of victimhood in this area of my life. Do business with God. And as you do, if you've never believed in Jesus for life, your step isn't to recommit, your step is to believe. And so I invite you to believe that you're a sinner who needs a Savior and that Jesus is the Savior of the world. If today's your day to believe, you can mark it with a prayer, you can pray. Jesus, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner and you are the Savior of the world. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for being raised again from the dead and offering me life. Today, I believe. Thank you for life forever with you. And thank you for a new life here on earth. 